Everything in Torah is precise. The order in which things appear in Torah is precise, and the way that we're supposed to conduct ourselves according to Torah is precise. Everything has its place, everything has its time, and everything has its person who is responsible for it, which is a magnificent lesson the Rambam will teach us just simply by how he orders the halachas of Kilayim versus the halachas of Peya, a little differently to the Mishnah and, in fact, to the Pesukim. So, if you look at Seder's Rome, which is primarily Mishnah, yes, the order of how the Masechtas are placed is, you find that Peya is presented before Kilayim, and Demai is in between the two of them. Why is that? Of time, of Rambam. The Rambam says in his Pirusha Mishnah is that it's because the Seder, the the reason why after Peya, they organized that the next Masechus should be Demayez, Vachad Demay Kilayim, and then Kilayim. In fact, that's the most important thing, is why Kilayim comes after Peah. Because in our parasha, Kedoshim, that's the order in which they are presented in the parasha. What does the Pasuk say? Lo sodcha. First, it tells us the halacha of Peah. And then after that, it says, Sodcha lo Kilayim, that you may not sow mixtures of different plants together. In other words, Peah is presented in the Torah before Kilayim. Okay, wh- why is Demai in the middle? Why does Demai come in between Peah and Kilayim? Because in the Pasuk, it's first Peah and then Kilayim. How does Demai get in? So the Rambam explains. The Rambam says it's contextual because we were talking about Peah, which is a product of the field reserved for poor people. From that, we go to speak about Demai, which is Projects that is in doubt, did it have trumas and mysis removed from it or not? And that's something which the poor are allowed to have. So there's the connection. You're talking about things the poor are allowed to take from produce, so we go to demai. But what's relevant to us is first you talk about peya, then you talk about kilayim. That's the order of the pasuk. Now that raises a huge question on how the Rambam presents it in Mishnah Torah. Why? Because in Mishnah Torah, first the Rambam speaks about the halachas of Kilayim, and then he goes to the halachas of Peah, different and opposite to the Mishnah and the Pasuk. And just for context, there is no section in Mishnah Torah dedicated purely to Peah. It's the first section of what he calls Matnois the various gifts that we give to the poor. What's strange about that is it's Heipech Sidrim Mishnah. He presents it in the opposite order to how the Mishnah does. And it was the Rambam himself in the Pirush Mishnah who said that the Mishnah follows the order of the Psukim, and yet the Rambam does not follow the order of the Psukim. He presents it actually in the opposite order. So to attempt to answer this, we're going to quote the Radvaz, who offers two explanations. The Rebbe will show how neither explanation is satisfactory. So the Radvaz proposes two possible reasons. Number one, So the first answer the Radvaz is going to argue is that it's the flow of how the, Mishnah, how the Halochus worked in the Rambam. Look at what the Rambam spoke about in the previous section which is Erechim Becharomin, Ilchas Erechim Becharomin, and look at what the context was of then, you'll see a linkage between that context and then Kilaim, and that's why the Rambam made the link. What's the linkage? Because Bereish HaPerekah Achant Ilchas Erechim Becharomin. In the beginning of the final parak of Erechim Becharomin, which is obviously close to what we're about to learn, because of Rambam, the Rambam says this, that the 15th of Adar was the day that the Basin had to take into consideration all the various communal needs, and included in that is 
They also had to look into issues that are related to hektish. What is this all about? So you'll find the root and therefore an insight into what the Rambam is telling us if you go to the beginning of Masechus Shkolim where he says, that the 15th of Adar is a time where the communal leaders have to look after all the communal affairs. Here comes the link. The Mishnah in Shkolim says, that one of the responsibilities of Beisdin on the 15th of Adar is to go and check fields, and if they see that there is produce that has intermingled, they have to arrange for it to be uprooted. So, according to the Radvaz, in Hilchas Erechim V'charomin, the Rambam mentions that the 15th of Adar is when the communal leaders have to take care of communal issues, which hyperlinks us to a Mishnah in Shkolim, and in the Mishnah in Shkolim it says, one of those needs is Kilayim. As the Mishnah they explains, the basin would send representatives who'd go to the fields and rip out pro- produce that had intergrown. And therefore says the Radvaz, there's the link because at the beginning of the first uh, of the last paragraph of Erechim Becharomin, the Rambam spoke about the responsibilities of the community on Tezvav Adar, which according to the Mishnah and Shkolim include Kilaim. Therefore, the first thing he speaks to straight after that is Kilaim. Because the Mishnah linked to those two things, the 15th of Adar and the various communal responsibilities, and Kilayim, therefore the Rambam does similarly. That's the advisor's explanation, why Kilayim comes before Peah. Then he offers a second explanation. Based. And that is, He says, look, you have to look, Kilayim is actually quite a general mitzvah that has many, many categories. For example, Kilayilonois, the prohibition against grafting trees. Kilayizroim, not to, pro- to allow produce to grow into each other. Kilayakerem, not to have produce growing in the same place as a vine. Kilayarvoz behema, not to graft animals. Kilayibigodim, not to wear shatnas. Kilayavoidas behema, the fact that you can't have two different breeds of animal working together in the same environment. Rambam always prefers to begin a conversation in halacha with a broad concept in halacha before getting to a specific concept. In other words, what the Radvaz is saying is because kilayim is a very broad concept that includes many subcategories, they get precedence over the laws of peah, which are very specific laws. So those are the advisors, two explanations, because the Erechen B'charom in link, and because Kilaim is something more general, so therefore it is presented first. The Rebbe takes issue with both explanations. Both of these need a tremendous amount of attention. Both answers. Aleph, let's look at the first answer. The first thing that should stand out for you is that Advaz is suggesting that we go into Hilchas Kilaim because in the previous section, at the beginning of the last parak, they spoke about, or he spoke about, the Rambam spoke about, what you do on the 15th of Adar. Now, Hinei. The first thing that you have to acknowledge is the Rambam, according to the Radvaz, is making his decision based on a Mishnah in Shkolem and how it's presented in Shkolem. Why would that influence how the Rambam sets out his halachas, not in the halachas of Shkolem? Why would that be re- relevant? But Gamini Muvan, there's something else that's an even greater question. You're trying to create context between two sections, Erchen B'charomin and another section of, of Matnus Anim. 
So now, or, or first kilaim and then matnas anim. So get me the movement. Doesn't make sense. But so if I pair the hilchas erchin v'charamin, the end of the last parak. You were talking about Stradvaz, the beginning of the last parak. But the end of the last parak, which is of course much closer to where we're now learning, there the Rambam Melamdeno Rambam Esayfan Haroi Bepizem Momin Liyonik Dusha Hekdeishos. There the Rambam talks about how you should appropriate money for holy intentions, and he says, even though it's a mitzvah to dedicate things to be hekdesh. Nevertheless, and it's appropriate for a person to accustom themselves to dedicate to holy causes. The Rambam says something fascinating. If a person never gives anything to Hektish ever in their life, it's not a problem. So you haven't done something wonderful and beautiful, but you haven't sinned. And then he says, then he says, you should never give away all of your belongings to hektish, to holiness, to tzedakah. And you should never give more than 20% away to tzedakah. Now, what's the Rambam talking about over there? Tzedakah. That should prove exactly the opposite to what the Radvaz wants to say. If what the Rambam intended was that the next subject that he would talk about would be halachas that are similar to the subject he's just concluded in Erchen V'charomim. Ha'rimistaver yoyse shalachere hilchas Erchen V'charomim. She'siyuman be'yilchas o'yedus v'halachas o'yedus pizamom elinyona kedusha. Surely the logic would be you've just concluded a conversation about not overextending yourself when it comes to giving to holy causes. Yavoyedafke hilchas matnosanim. Then you should have gone straight into any halachas which are about donations and tzedakah and giving to the poor. Shaskalos and hilchas peah, which begin with halachas of peah. So the Radvaz's argument actually seems counterintuitive. You've just, in the Rambam, concluded a conversation about not overextending yourself with donations. The next thing to talk about should be donations, not kilayim. Obafrat Especially when you consider that the Rambam says, that if a person would take ordinary possessions today and make them cherim, which in those days would go to the base Amidash, today you'd give it to a koyen. Which is quite similar to the principle of matonisanim, gifts that you're giving to the poor. Because koyhanim don't inherit land, so they are, in a sense, like poor people. And therefore, they get all these different gifts. In other words, it's very clear that the flow from Erechen V'charomin should be to Matnoisanim. And it shouldn't go into the halachas of Kilaim because there is no contextual link. Because at best, the Radvaz is suggesting that the Kilaim link is not to the end of what was immediately discussed right before this in Erechen V'charomin, but rather to be the beginning of that chapter. The link, if any, is actually quite superficial. It's not because there's a fundamental thematic connection between the end of the last section and the beginning of this section. It's just because they happen to speak also about the 15th of Adar, which happens to also have an impact on Kilayim. That is not nearly as compelling as the link between the end of Erechim V'charomim, which is about donations, and the beginning of what would be Matnosanim, which is about donations. So that's the first answer that the Radvaz gives, which really does not seem to be so strong. Let's look at his second answer. 
which is that kilayim is a very general concept and therefore it's presented before peah, which is very specific. You know, the truth is, that would have been a great answer. If the Rambam had dedicated a section called the laws of Peah, then you could say, yes, the laws of Peah are very specific, whereas Kilayim has many, many categories to it. That's not how the Rambam did it. The way that the Rambam presents it, Peya is just a category within the section that he calls Matnoisanim, which is very general as Kilain, perhaps even more general, with many subcategories. It has many, many different elements included within it, like Peya, Leket, Shicho, Maiseroni, Tzedoka, Chule, etc. So then you're back to square one. Why did the Rambam not place the laws of Tzedakah first before Kilayim? Which would naturally mean that Peah would come first and it would then match the Mishnah and it would match the Pasuk and it would make logical sense. And then go to the Halachas of Kilayim. Especially considering that that would then match how it is presented in the Pasuk. So the answers of the Radvaz don't satisfy for us why the Rambam changed the order. So therefore, we're going to take a completely different approach, that this has nothing to do with trying to reflect how things are in the Pasuk, nor is it simply about linking to what the Rambam just spoke about before, but there's a very logical, compelling reason for the order in which the Rambam presents these halachas, and that is the order in which you would encounter them. How the Rambam presents these halachas is in the order of when you would encounter the various obligations. So how do you start? The first halacha he tackles is not to graft together two different species when planting. That's halachas That relates to when you plant your field. And then once you're talking about a law that relates to planting, seeing as that law engages grafting, so we talk about various types of grafting, which also include animals and shatnas. Once you've dealt with all the laws and sundry which are associated to planting, then you could talk about the halachas which are associated with harvesting, which is that you've got to leave a portion of the field for the poor, and other gifts that you give from your field to the poor. And once you're talking about things that you give to the poor, you talk about other kinds of gifts to the poor that are not necessarily directly from the field. Then, then you have the next categories. Once you have processed the grain, what are your obligations at this point? Those are the obligations of all the various gifts of finished product that have to be shared with the Kohanim, with the Levim, taken to the base Amigdash, etc. And then, the very last thing in the category should be the things that you only encounter. Occasionally, Shemitah and Yovel, Haboim Lacha Sheishonim Tizra Goyma, which happen after six years of working the fields, Rak Achas the Sheva, Ichamishim Shonim Chule, which will happen once in seven years in the case of Shemitah, or once in 50 years in the case of Yovel. So, why does the Rambam present the halachas in this order? Because it's the practical experience that you'll have dealing with your field. You have to know the halachas as you encounter them. 
And that's actually a very simple answer, and it doesn't have to fit exactly with the Psukim, because the Rambam wants us to learn halachas as they will play out. That's according to Pshat. Now let's have a look how things are according to Chasidus. Chasidus gives us even greater clarity, not only clarity, this is actually a brilliant insight into the order in which the Rambam presents these things. And to get there, before we get to the Rambam, let's go back to that Mishnah in Shkolim. In fact, that's where the entire insight is going to lie. Because what does the Mishnah say in Shkolim? On Rosh Chodesh Adar is when the basin would publicly announce that it's time for people to come forward with their machzis shekel the donations had to give annually to the base HaMikdash, and it was time to check the fields to make sure that there was no kilayim ahead of the harvests. So, as we well know, even the order in which things appear in Torah is absolutely precise. Why is it in that Mishnah in Shkolem, does it say first they would tell everybody to make sure to bring their Shkolem to the base HaMikdash, the Machtes HaShekel, and only after that would they speak about Kilayim? Because logic would have urged you to actually say it in the opposite order. Why in the opposite order? Because surely you should first address something that could impact the most people and then address something which only impacts some people and perhaps not even at that exact moment. So, any kind of forbidden mixture is equally applicable to every single Jewish person. Number one, so it's every person. And it applies at all times. Because, because, any Jewish person who doesn't know the details of the halachas of kilayim, at any time could contribute, at any time. It's not only on Sundays, it's not only in a certain month of the year, any time that a person has a field, they could potentially break this law unknowingly. So they have to be told the information. Not only would they go out there and actually break the law, even if the person was inactive and didn't do anything, they could land up in trouble. Because let's say that there were two products in the person's field that intermingled and he just didn't do anything about it and it grew one two hundredth of growth before he intervened, that is already a transgression without doing anything. So we're dealing with kilayim, we're dealing with something that affects everybody potentially all the time. And let's even say that the person does get involved and he does schlep away and uproot these grafted or intermingled products. They will only help him not to transgress going forward. But all the time that these two things were growing intermingled with each other, he had transgressed and that doesn't go away. So surely kilayim should be addressed first because it's urgent. It could affect somebody, anybody right now. Whereas Shkolem is not so urgent, it doesn't affect everybody. First of all, not giving machatzis a shekel is not nearly as serious as allowing kilaim in one's property. Number two, segments of the Jewish community are not obligated to give the machatzis a shekel like women or children. And even those who are obligated to give the half shekel, if they miss the deadline, they can still contribute afterwards. Because when the Kohanim take all of those donations and, and, and 
allocate them for that year's maintenance or carbonist zibur of the base amigdash, they include in mind the funds that are still going to come in. So it's not urgent as kilayim is. Here's the most fascinating thing, that even if a person never got to donate the half shekel that year, they would still be included in the various things that the machzis shekel are involved with, like the communal sacrifices. So therefore, logically, logically, you would have expected the basin to first make a big announcement about the responsibilities around Kilaim because those are urgent, severe issues that affect everybody potentially. And then we'll deal with Shkolim, which is only for certain people and not necessarily immediate. Why did the Mishnah in Shkolim follow an order which does not seem to be logical? It may not be logical, but it's deeply spiritually meaningful. As we'll explain based on Hasidus. Our first clue will be what the Ramban writes about why we may not have Kilayim, whether it be plants, or whether it be animals, or whether it be Shatnas. So the Ramban says, beautiful insight. If a person were to mix two different products, a, a, plow together with an ox and a donkey, mix wool and linen, graft together two animals or two kinds of tree. He says that person would undermine the boundaries of nature that Debesha created. Because what did it say right at the beginning of creation? She had the Torah tells us right at the beginning that when various things began to grow, it was all in their specific species. That applies to plants and equally to shatnas and equally to grafting animals. So for us to try and invent new kinds of hybrids is an affront to how Hashem created the world that everything has its unique species and should remain that way. So that's our first clue. Second clue, why do they announce on Rosh Chodesh Adah that people have to bring their half shekel? You'll see a similarity over here. The reason is they've got to make sure that everybody contributes now because you can only bring the communal sacrifices of one year from that year's budget, from that year's allocation, from that year's donations of half shekel. You're not allowed to use funds from last year's allocation, which would be any time up until Rosh Chodesh Nisan, to buy korbanos for this year's allocation, which is from Rosh Chodesh Nisan and onwards. We are not allowed to mix two different years. You hear the similarity? You're not allowed to mix products, kilayim. You're not allowed to mix two years, shkolim. That's why we start warning people a month in advance. It is time to now allocate because we need those funds because we can't use any um, excess of this year's funds for next year's carbonis. Now here's how the world works. Seeing as we know that Abishta consulted the Torah in order to create the world. In other words, Torah contains within it all of the mechanisms for creation. Therefore, we could extrapolate from that that anything that exists in the world, not only is everything in the world dependent on us doing what we need to do as Jewish people to serve Hashem in order to facilitate the continuity of the world, not only is everything in the world reflected in the Torah, but it's far deeper than that. 
Everything exists first and primarily in Torah. And because of how it exists in Torah, that evolves into how it is experienced in the physical reality. That is the spiritual reason why the Mishnah in Shkolim tells us, first you announce that everybody has to contribute their half shekel, and only after that can you start to talk about Kilayim and the fact that you have to make sure nothing has grown into each other in the field. In other words, what's happening according to the Mishnah? In order that the way the world operates should be healthy and appropriate. Which means that everything should happen within its, its appropriate context and boundaries without blurring lines and, and trespassing over each other's space. In order to ensure that the world is healthy, we in the Jewish world, Torah which instructs how reality should be, so therefore in the Torah world we have to ensure that things are as they should be without mixing, without trespassing, without crossover between one year or one concept and the next. With that in mind, Beizdin. We start off in the basin. That's where the process is going to begin. Shinyonim Torah Vahira. Because the Beizdin is the custodian of Torah, which is the instruction to how the world should work. So they have to make an announcement. They have to begin the process. Mashmin al-Ashkolim their first step of that announcement is to tell us how we should handle and we should contribute the Machatzis HaShekel. What are they effectively saying? They're saying, whatever we're going to do to serve Hashem in the coming year, which will be represented by the communal sacrifices, should be presented in the correct time. Let us not confuse or mix next year's avoida with this year's avoida. Next year's carbonos with this year's funds. That's the first step the basin has to do. Create healthy parameters. This is not just about Shkolim and Karbonos, it has a far-reaching and a deep message. At that moment on Rosh Chodesh Adar, when the Beistin announces it is time to collect Shkolim for the upcoming Karbonos, at that moment they open the spiritual channels for all the energy and all the wherewithal that we'll need in order to do whatever Hashem expects from us in the coming year. Now it is open and available for download. As we know, carbonos are the most central element of how you served Hashem in the base of Mikdash. To the extent that it's sometimes just called avoida without the word carbonos because it represents the service of Hashem. So now we're opening the channel of Avoida, of everything that we need in order to serve Hashem, and it has to be with a very clear context, use those koichos in the appropriate way, and in this discussion specifically, in the appropriate way. Time. And we dare not confuse the energy and the nature of one year's service to Hashem with a different year's service to Hashem. Once we have that clarity, 
Then we can translate it into an announcement about how you deal with the actual physicality of this world. That in the world we live in, things shouldn't mix. So once you've got the headspace that avoida shouldn't mix, then you could say things shouldn't mix. Materials like wool and linen shouldn't mix. Animals shouldn't mix. Plants shouldn't mix. And that will also help us to understand why this is actually a two-step process. When it comes to kilayim, look, it actually talks about two different states, which you probably would have picked up already in the Mishnah and Shkolim. That's when they make the announcements that everybody has to be sure to remove kilayim from their property. And then, two weeks later, in the middle of the month, they actually send representatives of the basin to check the fields and to tear out the kilayim that they might find. Rosh Chodesh is just a warning. It's a verbal announcement. Which means, that means that the concept of giving the half shekel or uh, the kilayim, the whole concept is only potential at that point. There's a potential issue that you have to address. There's a potential obligation that you have to fulfill. So that's why the announcement at that time is just a warning. Okay, but make sure that you don't have kilayim. Make sure you're ready to give your shkolim. But when you hit the 15th of Adar, the full moon, which represents the full expression and revelation of the particular avoider that you're supposed to be doing. It's not like on Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh, the moon is just a sliver. And it's just the potential to grow and develop into a full moon. The avoider is just in potential and hasn't yet expressed itself. So when you hit the 15th, then when you hit the 15th, now you actually start collecting the Shkolim. The Mishnah tells us on the 15th of order, they put out the collection tables in every place for people to come and donate. And likewise, remember we said Shkolim is the headspace and Kilayim is the practice. So the headspace is now in place, in practice. People are coming forward to donate to the Shkolim, to donate to this year's Avoida in the Beis Hamikdash. That will also translate into comes the 15th of Adar. The Beis is no longer satisfied with the fact that they made an announcement. Everybody needs to assure that they don't have uh, uh, kilaim in their property. Now they actually send people out, and they actually rip out whatever kilaim they find. So what do we see? A two-step process. How things manifest intellectually at the beginning of Adar, and therefore the potential to start telling people about what they should be doing in the world, make sure there's no kilaim. But it comes to the fore, on Tesvav Adar, when they actually collect the Shkolim and they actually get rid of the Kilayim. And that's also what the Mishnah tells us, that on Chamish Asabadar, that's when the basin starts to look around, what does the community need, what does Hektish need, and we've got to deal with those things. As we've already noted, the 15th of Adar is when the practical application of collecting Shkolim for the upcoming years, Karbona, starts to happen. And 
And once we start that process, then we're guaranteeing that whatever spiritual energy and wherewithal was allocated for this particular year's service is now being captured. And now we're becoming clear, clear that we're not going to mix and fudge one year's service with another year's service, one year's koichis with another year's koichis. Things are becoming very clear. So under that concept, in, in, under, against that background, the basin can now ensure that the, everything that's supposed to happen happens the way that it should for the entire community and for everything to do with the Hefdish. Which basically means whatever needs to be taken care of on behalf of the community for the upcoming year should all be in place by the time Rosh Chodesh Nissen comes along. So this is going to teach us a beautiful insight into how we're supposed to interpret the world that we live in and the Judaism that we experience. So what have we seen? You're not allowed to mix the world. Where do we see that? You're not allowed to take things of the world and mix them together. Wool and linen, an, an ox and a donkey, different types of plants. So the world may not mix in an inappropriate way. We also learned that times are not allowed to mix in an inappropriate way. As we see, the shkolim have to be allocated to the specific year so that the avoid of one year does not override the avoid of another year. We know that everything that exists exists in three realities, time, space, and nefesh within the person. So likewise, a person also has to make sure not to blur the lines between two different kinds of avoidah. Now this is a fascinating thing the Rebbe is going to teach us here. Every one of us is allocated certain elements of this world that are our responsibility to engage, to uplift, and to turn into holiness. We are not entitled to trespass on another person's avoider sabirun. We have our space, our avoider, that is ours, and it's not for us to go and try something that actually is the responsibility and the avoider of somebody else. Now that will play into what the Rambam told us at the end of Erechen V'charomin. How did the Rambam conclude Hilchas Erechen V'charomin with a statement that is a lot more than just a practical statement, turns out to be a deeply spiritual statement. What does he say? A person should never reach a point where they allocate everything that they own to Hektish. Because the Pasuk tells us, Mi you're supposed to give of everything that you have, and don't give away everything that you have. And then he says, If a person wants to be very extravagant in their donations and in their expenses for mitzvahs, don't go over 20% of your total worth. What's the Rambam telling us on a deeper spiritual level? This is Phenomenal. Allah Adam later person needs to know Shemamoinun Khosav Nitnu Loima Kadesh Borhu. The Abishta gave you your money and your assets. Why Kedelishtamish by Mapi has Sajash and Nikba Milamaila so that you should use them in accordance with the order, the system that the Abishta defined, not your own system. What is the system that they should define? Some of what you own is given to you as a deposit on Hashem's behalf. It actually doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the poor person. You're just the conduit to ensure that it is delivered. That you should fulfill the mitzvah of stock, etc. That's one element of what you're given. 
וחלק ממומוינו נכוסף מיו עוד לפרנוס, סוי ולפרנוסס בני בייסוי. And part of your earnings, your income, your assets are yours to support yourself and to support your family. ולכן אינו לפרס יוסף מחומש. That's why you shouldn't give away more than 20%. מפני שהבאס החלוקים הנסורים נעדו עבורוי. Because the other 80% was allocated for you. וניתנו לוי מעיסה של פרנוסוס ולפרנוסוס בני בייסי, and was given to you for your needs, ואינו לאורב השחלקים החלק השייך ליוני. And it would be inappropriate to mix your allocation with the poor people's allocation. It's this incredible balance that the Rambam gives us. Just as you're obligated to ensure that that which they should deposit with you for others is given to those others, so you're responsible to ensure that you have what you have so you could do your avoid. And I'll be calling now, you haven't said Allah is be Rambam, now we can understand the order. I'll be primus on Yonim, according to Hasidus, why the Rambam first goes, Erechem v'charomin, and then Kilaim, and then Matnus on you. Le'il b'reish ha'perek o'achran de'il chasara Erechem v'charomin, As we noted right at the beginning of the final parak of Erechen v'charom, in Hebi Rambam Mesadin, there the Rambam already discussed b'chamishos b'od b'es nifnin chulei atzor chetzibur v'alinyonei ha-hekdeshos. Already there he discussed the fact that the Basin undertakes all the communal responsibilities from the 15th of Adar. Shazeo inen dekilayim beruchnis b'shona, that represents, as we already said before, allocating the distinction between one year and the next year. That's the Basin's responsibility, that we take care of everything that belongs to this year and make sure that by the time we are ready to start after Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the upcoming year, everything is in place for the avoida of the upcoming year. As we already learned before, at that point, the Rambam speaks to the heart of the first step in the process, ensuring that we don't confuse the avoida and the koyach associated with that avoida from one year to the next. Then, fast forward all the way to the end of that final chapter of Erechen V'charomin, which will of course link back to the beginning, because the beginning and the end of any concept in Judaism is always connected. So there comes Gamkim in Again, he comes to the same concept of not mixing different avoiders from a different angle. How it relates to the individual. Not to confuse that those assets that were allocated to you for your avoider with the, allocate, with the assets that were given to you to allocate to somebody else. Those assets were never yours. They were always just, you know, you were given them to look after, to hand over to somebody else. So what does the Rambam do? First, he talks about the overarching Indian. Don't confuse different types of avoider. Then he makes it personal. Don't confuse the avoider of tzedakah with the avoider of looking after yourself and doing what you have to do in terms of the refinement of this world. And then, once the Rambam has discussed the two key points of the spiritual side of not confusing our Avoidah, and then the next logical thing to talk about is, how does this play out in practical terms in the world? Don't mix Kilayim, so the next Halochah, so Kilayim, not Matnois Anim. Ah, you might make a mistake then. You might make a mistake like the argument Tenus Rufus made to Rabbi Akiva. What's that? You're telling me that there have to be clear boundaries between what is mine and what belongs to other people. Now, the Ebershah gave me all of these assets. The Ebershah decided that the other person is going to be poor. 
So maybe in double maybe a person doesn't have to give tzedakah because David created the boundaries. Like he made the difference between kilaim and the difference between one year and the next. He made a difference between one person and the next. He gave me money, he didn't give them money. Because whatever they gave is mine. Is mine. And I'm not allowed to mix it with somebody else's and give it away to somebody else. So maybe I shouldn't give tzedakah. So therefore, immediately after clarifying the halachas of kilayim, the next thing the Rambam talks about is tzedakah. He immediately reassures us, you have a responsibility to give to the poor. Now we can understand why the Mishnah and the Pasuk first talk about Peah and then Kilayim. Whereas the Rambam first says, Whereas the Rambam first talks about Kilayim and then he goes into the various Matnosanim starting with Peah. Because when you reach Matnosanim, it has to be clear that you only give part of the element away. In the majority of a person's assets, the person is meant to retain. You see this expressed in payah. You give a corner of the field, and the corner can be at the edge of the field. Only if a person drops two stalks at a time or two bundles at a time, not more. And the truth is you'll see that as a theme right throughout all the various gifts to the poor that we're supposed to give, that's only a small amount. As we already discussed, that is because we don't want to confuse what is our avoider for ourselves and what is our avoider to help other people. That we're not allowed to confuse what are our assets with what actually belongs to the owner. It just happens to be in our care. And as we said, from that you go into the conversation about what kilayim could mean, inappropriate mixtures could mean in other contexts in a very physical, tactile way. That's why. How does the Pasuk do it? First it talks about Peah. And then it talks about kilayim. Why? First, you've got to clarify what's yours and what's the others. And then you talk about how it translates into this world, kilayim. Once you understand the principle that there are different kinds of avoiders, then you understand the practicality that there are different kinds of materials. That's in the Pasuk, and the Mishnah reflects the Pasuk. Mashenkim Rambam, whereas the Rambam comes from a different perspective. The concept of creating those philosophical distinctions between my avoider and somebody else's avoider. The fact that you can't give everything away and that in turn will teach us that there have to be boundaries in the materials of this world. The Rambam already spoke about that at the end of Hilchas Erechem V'charamin. Therefore, he can go straight into Hilchas Kilayim. He doesn't have to now go to Matnois Aniyim, into Peah, because he's already told us that core principle that the Pasuk wanted to say in in leaving Peah, what's the Pasuk? Then it went into the details of Kilayim. The Rambam's already done that by telling us that a person, Al Yifazah, Yosemich Homish, has already told us the principle that you don't mix up your allocation with somebody else's. And once he's created the philosophical perspective that you don't confuse different types of avoider, then he talks about, but make sure that you give tzedakah. 
is not the restriction, don't give away what actually belongs to you, but rather the encouragement and the positive mitzvah to give to the poor. Not only should you give, but it's something you have to be so cautious about, perhaps even more than any other positive mitzvah. And as the Rambam says, Tzedakah is the foundation of the whole of Judaism. It's what keeps Judaism going, and it's absolutely core. And of course, as we know, in the merit of learning about Tzedakah and allocating Tzedakah in the appropriate way, we should be zeichet to the coming of Moshiach now.